0: Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at seven PM. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com/citizens. Good evening, citizens. How's everybody doing? All right. Awesome. Um, my name's Will. It's great to be with you guys. I know a lot of the I know a lot of the faces in this room, but if you haven't met me, my name's Will. I'm on staff here at NGC as an intern, so you guys can like th- kick me and stuff because I'm an intern, you know, so no I'm just kidding. but um, yeah, if you haven't met me, come say hi. I love to meet new people, and um, yeah, um, tonight we're going to be hi, 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 hi. Hi, (laughs) okay. Hey, tonight we're gonna be jumping into the book of Colossians, so if you wanna open your Bibles to Colossians, um, it's right after Philippians, I believe, in the New Testament, we'll be in Colossians three. Colossians three. You know, we hear a lot of um, witty sayings and comebacks in our culture, right? I think this is kind of something that permeates American culture. Um, If you ever say something to somebody that they don't like or something that mildly frustrates them or that they disagree with, you're bound to get a nice, good old-fashioned, witty comeback or response from them. Um, Such would include, you're all bark and no bite. We heard that one? No, okay. People will say, it's been the bane of my existence. That would be Clark College and getting my AA for me. People will say, you're a backseat driver, right? When someone's telling them how to drive the car. Or if something costs a lot, they'll say, man, this cost me an arm and a leg. Or or you might have heard this from somebody before. They'll go, you're barking up the wrong tree, right? You're barking up the long tree. And a lot of these slogans or these things, they're kind of like things that you hear old heads say. Like if you're walking down the aisle in Costco and you like tap somebody's cart, he's like, You're barking up the wrong tree, there, Buster. You know, like you gotta watch out for those sorts of people. But as my sermon is titled, um, there's a saying that's been floating around forever, and it's it goes like this: Practice what you preach. Maybe some of us have heard that. Practice what you preach. Um, When I would grow up and play basketball. Um, a lot of my teammates would always have opinions about what they thought I should do to do a drill correctly. And I'm sure some of you have experienced that with sports. But if you notice, a lot of the times when someone gives you instruction on how to do something, then like five seconds later, if you watch them do it, they're, they're doing the exact same thing you did it, or they're doing something wrong too. And it's in those instances where we go, come on, man, practice what you preach, right? You just told me to do this, and now you're doing a complete opposite thing. Or here's another example, politicians, right? Some of the middle schoolers in here didn't think they were going to be getting a government lesson tonight. But about every four years, we have a president who runs for office. And every time the person who gets elected, I'm not talking about parties, I'm not talking about anything like that. But every time someone gets elected, when they've come up, they've promised the entire time. They've said, we're going to lower gas prices. We're going to lower food costs. We're going to make this one-way rail station going across the country. They have this list of promises. And then they get into office. And for four years, Americans are left going, man, practice what you preach, right? You promised us all this stuff. And now you're not fulfilling it. As, me as a preacher, right, if I was to talk up here and then you see me in public doing something completely different, you go, hey, preacher, like, Practice what you're telling us to do, right? Practice what you preach. And tonight, as we jump into Paul's letter to the Colossians here, he's going to be reminding this church um, to basically continue to practice what they preach, right? Or, in other words, continue to do what you proclaim, to not be and not live as the world, but in their new identity as Christians and Christ followers. So, as we're jumping into this book called Colossians, um, What is Colossians this random book Um, I'm glad you asked maybe you didn't but I'm gonna tell you Uh, this book in the New Testament is one written after Jesus has died after the initial start of the church in Acts chapter 2 and before the death of many Apostles Um, Paul writes this letter to the church in Colossae which is located in the Middle East so on the other side of the globe, um, it's in modern-day Turkey. And Paul never actually went to this place called Colossians, this place he's writing this letter to. But he's heard about their church from his friends. And so Paul is writing to them. And he, I don't want you to picture Paul coming at it like, you guys are terrible. Like, what are we doing here? Um, Paul is actually writing to this church in large part telling them, hey, you're doing a great job. Uh, my buddy and I, there's this video, this Instagram reel floating around on online that's like if the Apostle Paul were around today, the church in America would be receiving a letter. And I, 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 I thought about that the other week and I was like, uh, yeah, like Paul wrote to churches who are doing good and to churches who are doing bad. So that's kind of an obvious, but... The Colossians were one who popped into my head going, well, that's actually a church that was doing pretty well, right? So Paul's intention with writing to these people is to say, you're doing good, but continue because there's people who want to throw you off from what you're doing. Paul says in countless letters in this, at times in this letter, um, he says, continue, walk, remain steadfast, In Christ and so like I said we're gonna be in Colossians chapter 3 and we're gonna see Paul's reminder to them to practice what you preach go ahead and look in your Bibles we're gonna read the first four verses here if then you have been raised with Christ seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God set your minds on things that are above not on things that are on earth For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The main thing I want to tell you guys tonight, if I had one idea to communicate, one thing for you to leave with is this. If you're in Christ, live like it. If you're in Christ, live like it. If you identify as a Christian... If you identify as somebody who believes the Bible, who follows Jesus and what he teaches, then live like you believe. The reality for someone who believes and what we see in our text ultimately is a new life. Um, This is a, a new way of living, a new way of speaking, a new way of thinking, a new way of being. This is new life in Christ. That's our first point tonight. Look what Paul says in our passage again. Verses one. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. This is what we're seeing here is what I would call an if then conditional reality. Paul's Paul's offering a conditional statement here. He says, if you've been raised with Christ, if that's true, seek the things that are above. Paul's saying, if the reality is that you've been united with Christ, if you've been raised to new life, Paul's saying, seek the things that are above. What's a conditional statement? What do I mean by this? What's a conditional if-then statement? Well, think about um, like in major league sports for an example. Um, a player signs a deal for $400 million, and then they walk away and go home with the $400 million. No, right? When they sign a deal, uh, it's, it's conditional. They're saying, okay, for this much money, I'm going to play this amount of games for X amount of years. I remember growing up, I would ask my mom and dad for something. Maybe it was money for a video game, or can you guys please let me off my grounding early, right? Some of us have been there before. Um, And they would say, hmm, what's in it for me, right? If you want to be let off of punishment or for this, then we're going to need something in exchange. Um, When we download an app or a game on on our phone, right, and that like 44 page document pops up that we all just like scroll by. We're like, we're not reading that. Right. What the people are saying is that you can use this app, but you have to abide by our terms if you do. Um, And in a way, Paul is giving a conditional clause here, right? He's saying, if this is the case, then here's how you should live. Look at verse two again. He says, if you've been raised with Christ, set your minds on the things that are above not on the things that are on earth. There's a group in the Christian sphere. I say that with quotation marks who, um, they say, regardless of your identity, regardless of whether or not you profess to be a Christian or not, they say you can kind of just live how you want, right? They'll say, well, you know, in order to reach the world, you got to become like the world. Right, They'll say, well, you can be a Christian, but you don't have to walk any differently. In fact, you should just be loving and just sit here in your box and never tell anybody about Jesus and never change the way you live. Um, there's plenty of false teachers and people on Instagram and social platforms, for example, and, and they'll talk about like regarding cursing. They'll say, well, I just don't feel convicted about that. Right, Many, many, many Christian pastors and influencers they dress inappropriately and they live just like the world. I want to make this clear tonight. We, as, as Christians, we can't separate righteous living and holy life from the Christian life. Yes, this is true that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And that Christ's blood has washed away our sin. But to echo Paul in Romans 6, he says, should we keep on doing that because we have grace? And he says, by no means. He says, may it never be that we should continue to sin, continue to live like the world now that we have grace. Uh, it, It would be an oxymoron for a Christian to continue to just live however they wanted with no feelings of Um, recompense or wanting to turn away, right? Uh, That's like a, a giant shrimp, if you guys have heard about that in your elective classes of English. But look at verse three, what Paul says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Those in Christ have died to their past life, to their former way of living, right? The way that Ephesians two puts it, it says that you were dead in your sin and trespass But God has made us alive again. The good news is that now for those who put their hope and their trust in Jesus and believe in him as the one who saves, their life is held by Christ, hidden in God. Guys, we have a future with Christ. We have a future with Christ. Um, Has anybody in here ever wished that they owned a time machine? This is kind of like a classic question you'll hear. Like we, we literally just talked about this on Sunday morning in Tribes a couple weeks ago. We said, if you had a time machine, where are you going? And there's always the kid who says like, I'm going to see Jesus. And everyone's like, amen. And then there's the kid who's like, I'm going back to World War II. And it's like, why, why would you ever say that? But I digress. Um, sometimes we have this like time machine, and we wish that we had this to see the future, right? We said, man, it would be nice if I could know what's going to happen. And the truth is that this would be nice for day-to-day lives, but the good news is that we don't need um, a time machine to see the ultimate rest that we're going to come to as Christian, um, whether it be Christ returning here on earth or if we pass away before then. Verse 4 says this, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is a really good promise and a good reality for us. Our text says that when Christ appears, we will be with him forever in glory. That means in perfection, in the presence of our Lord. Guys, we have a future. We have hope. I mentioned earlier we were once dead in our sins, right? But the Lord was gracious enough to save us to draw us into himself, to rescue us into relationship with him for eternity. We had nothing in ourselves, but God in his grace has saved us. So no longer do we live hopeless lives without purpose, suffering and toiling, right? We have a hope, we have a future, we have a reason to live and it's for Christ, and to be with Christ for eternity. And we have him to help us do that in his Holy Spirit, too. I just want to say this tonight. Um, if you don't believe in Jesus, or if you don't have any frame of reference of, of a religious worldview, or a hope, or a truth, um, if there's nothing greater than this broken world that you currently live in. Um, what are you doing okay and I ask that in a very loving way but where's your purpose where's your hope right where are you going to end up when you die eventually right the longest that our life is gonna go is about 120 years okay our time here on earth in our flesh on our flesh is short But the message of the gospel, the good news that Christ has reconciled us, what do I mean by that? That means that Christ has made us right on account of his own payment for our sins by dying on the cross and raising to life after three days. That's our hope and our purpose, right? This is available to all who believe this message. But what it also means and what it demands is a response. Okay. You can hear the truth from Paul in Colossians, you can hear the gospel, and there's two options. You can either repent of your former ways and you can believe, or you can deny it with a selfish heart and you can continue to live your own way and be your own God. And so I ask, I plead, I beg with you, if you do not know Christ, please come to the Lord, okay? Come to the one who can save, Come to the one who loves his sheep. Everything that you've been looking for can be found in Christ. He wants to give you a new life. He wants to give you relationship. He wants to give you meaning. He wants to give you purpose. And for those of you who believe in Jesus, the message is walk as if that is the truth. Walk as if you believe that, okay? Don't continue to walk in your sin, So Paul continues in our passage tonight to instruct us to do this, to put off the old self. That's what he calls it. He says to put off the old self. Look in your Bibles tonight. Um, Chapter 3, verse 5. It says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Um, these things that Paul lists off um, are practices of the past life or practices of a self That was dead. This is the old self, as Paul calls it. I've got a little jersey here, makeshift tonight. This is the old. This is the world, Okay, And we, at one time, all have this on. I'm going to try and do this. I tried to buy a double XL here at Walmart, but this is a very, very tight jersey. These are the practices of the past life, okay, to name a few. Sin, anger, lying, impurity, sexual immorality, evil. It's kind of hard to read upside down, I'm finding out as I'm on stage here. But this is kind of the list that Paul writes off, starts off in the passage writing. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which he calls idolatry. And that's pretty interesting. Paul calls these things idolatry these sins that we commit that are offensive to God. um, He calls these idolatry. He says, you are elevating these to a position above the Lord. That's what he says. Uh, these things are like little G gods to us who falsely rule and reign in our lives. And those of you who are, are in this room, living in these things, not once or twice or so often, But if you're living a life that's walking in these sexual sins that Paul points out, it might be porn. It might be sin with a boyfriend or girlfriend. Maybe it's at parties. Or maybe you do things in the dark in private. I just want to ask, how do you feel when you do those things? Right? Because sin, often it feels awesome in the moment. But when we get home or when we're by ourselves with our own thoughts, do we feel good and joyful and full of life, ready to go attack the day and preach the gospel and feel on fire for Jesus? Or when we're continuing to walk in these things, do they weigh us down, right? Is it like slavery that binds us? Um, Do we feel shameful and hurt and lost and without meaning? I know that pain well, guys. I don't sit up. I don't stand up here and, and say, uh, this this is what you got to do, and and I, I never struggle with this stuff. So that's what you need to do. Like, I'm right there with you. Okay, this stuff is hard. This is why it's 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 called a struggle, right? And, and if you were to ask any of your leaders in this building, I'm sure they've struggled with sexual sin as well, and. I'm here to tell you with as much love in my heart as I can hold and that what Paul says in verse six, he says, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming, okay? It would be unloving for me to stand up here and say, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing awesome, okay? There will be judgment for sin. There will be judgment for sinners, for people who are walking in a current state of habitual sin. You need to repent. You need to turn back come to Christ. Look at verses um, seven through 10 with me tonight. He says, in these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So Paul here lists a few more ways that um, we we once lived in our old life, right? He says anger, wrath, malice, slander. Um, He doesn't say just put some of these away, right? Paul says put all of it away, okay? I get the picture when I was reading through this of when I used to clean my room as a kid, I keep my room fairly clean now, but sometimes it gets a little messy. But when my parents would ask me to clean my room, if I had something to go do, I would kind of just chuck everything away, right? And then you're like, okay, mom, can you come take a look? And it's like, that's not clean. And it's like, yeah, it is. And there's like a greasy piece of pizza, like flailing off the top of your dresser. and it's, You know, all that to say, the picture is not stuff, stuff, and try and make it look good enough, Paul is saying to these sins, to these things that we used to live in, he's saying, push them all away, right? He's saying to the old self, the old way before Christ, strive to put them to death. That's the the language he uses. It doesn't get any clearer than that, right? Dead is dead. But what he says is that in these two, these, these former things, that's how you once walked, The way that he puts it in Corinthians, he says, as such were some of you before Christ. So Paul says that these things once marked us, right? But he's saying, put these things to death, these things of the past life. Take them off. Put them to death. Get them out of here. Sorry for whoever's mic stand that is. Um, Again, this is conditional, meaning that Paul's Paul's statements here rely on, on the fact that we're in Christ. And so not only are we in Christ, not only do we have a future with Christ, but on earth right now, we have renewal with Christ. Look at verse 10. He says regarding the old self and its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Paul's saying that to those who are are in Christ, that they're being renewed. Uh, They're being made full. They're being restored. And so what's this in our passage about uh, barbarians and slaves and whatnot? Uh, It's not talking about Clash Royale. It's not talking about the 1800s. I wanted to read this quote. This is from Matthew Henry. I thought this was really good in explaining this. He says, Christ came down to take all partitioned walls that all might stand on the same level before God, both in duty and privilege. And for this reason, because Christ is all in all. Christ is a Christian's all his only Lord and savior and his hope and happiness and to those who are sanctified one as well as another and whatever they are in other respects, he is all in all the alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He is all things to them. If you're looking for, for purpose, if you're looking for something to satisfy you tonight, let me just be clear. You're not going to find it in the world. You can only find full satisfaction, true joy, comfort, and peace in Christ. Look to Christ. So if we've been saved um, and and we've sought to put off the old self, where should we go from there? Paul says we should then put on the new self. But what does this look like for us to put on the new self? Uh, What does the new self do? What does the new self act like? What does the new self think? What does the new self believe? Um, Look at verse 12. He says, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. And so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Students, what Paul says to do then, after the old self has been put off, that was really cool. He says, put on the new self. Okay, this is the new self. Maybe I'll do a jersey giveaway. This was like a pack of. Stuff at Walmart, though, so you probably don't want this. But this is the qualities of the new self. Paul's saying, put this one on, right? So we've put to death the old self. We've thrown that away on somebody's mic stand. And now he says, put on the new self, the new qualities, Okay. He's listing off what I would call binding qualities for believers. And somebody's going, what the heck does that even mean? Uh, A bind or to be bound is to be put together, right? A bind holds things together. And so Paul is saying that these are the qualities that should be bound to us now. No longer do these things, sexual immorality, um, malice, anger, envy, strife, those things don't define us as Christians. The defining qualities and what we should seek after are these new things, Paul says in verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And I I just need to stop here for a second. I want to say this, your identity is not in this world, okay? Your identity is not in the clothes you wear. Your identity is not in the possessions you have. Your identity is not how well you perform in sports at school. Your identity is not what people think about you or how much popularity you have. Your identity is in Christ and what he says about you. And what God says through Paul in this letter is that if you have been saved, you are holy and beloved, meaning God loved you. The scripture says that before the, before the mountains were brought forth, before time ever existed, the Lord loved us first. And so he says, with that in mind, put these things on. Bind them to you, these things that are of the new self. He says, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, meaning endure when things are difficult, and forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. There is so much I could get into with this, but I do not have time tonight. Um, When we're thinking of these things, right, being forgiving, Um, being humble, Um, these qualities kind of have a sacrificial nature to them, right? Uh, This is crazy that as Christians, our reflections and our actions can now reflect the greatest act of self-sacrifice. The greatest sacrifice, as the scripture teaches, is Jesus Christ in laying down his life on the cross, These things are backwards to us in our sinful nature, right? Kindness. Why would I be kind to somebody? Especially if I'm having a bad day, why would I take the time to be kind to somebody? Humility. That's backwards, guys. We think in our human brain that we want to elevate ourselves. Humility is not something that this world teaches. Um, When you guys, the small majority of you are driving, maybe some of you have been in the car with your parents and this is a silly illustration, but driving kind of tends to bring out like the worst of humanity, right? When, t- man, when two people pull up to a two way, st- a four way stop, right? It's very often that you're gonna try and get in front of them and just go about your business. Maybe if you're having a really good day, you're gonna stop and say, You can go, you can go. But most of the time, guys, When multiple people roll up to a stop, it's like, I'm trying to burn through that thing. I don't care about what this person's doing. Or what about like when somebody cuts you off, right? Or if you've seen your parents get cut off. Seldom ever is it, it's okay. I'm just going to keep driving the car. No, most of the time it's, I'm going to speed up, cut you back off, and then, well, you know, what happens after that? And, And it's silly, but it's revealing, Okay. The stuff that Paul is listing here in our passage, it's backwards. Yet, even still, we should strive to live that way. And the reason that we can do this, guys, is because Christ has gone before us. And he's he's sent us his Holy Spirit as believers to help us in these things. And so that's very helpful, I guess. But what are some practical things that we can do to continue to transform into this new self, to help us to put this on. I was thinking through this last way to summarize these last few verses we had, and my buddy Eddie said something pretty good. He said, as Christians, we go from knowledge to response. Okay, We go from knowledge to response. Look at verse 15 in our passage. Verse 15, Paul says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving, thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So Paul says to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, Um, let the truth of Christ and the truth about who Christ is be the king on your heart, right? I talked a moment ago about how these old things no longer define you. They're no longer the king in your life, right? Christ is the king in the believer's life. And so with that, Paul says, let that peace, that reality, be the peace that remains in your heart. Paul also says, let the word of Christ dwell in you. I got a little life hack as it is, um, you could call it. The, the, The basis to sanctification, if you're wondering how you can grow as a Christian, is the Bible. Okay? There's no two ways about it. Okay. The Bible is the basis of sanctification. And what Paul says is, let that dwell in you richly, guys be meditating on scripture. Okay. That's going to change and form and shape your life. I'm not saying that you got to be a, a a monk about it and go read for four hours a day, but meditate on the scripture as you go about your day. Think about what Jesus says. Okay. That is the way by which we grow. Um, The other thing is that this new self can't survive apart from community. Okay, that's why what we do here on a Wednesday night, on a Sunday morning is so important. These things that Paul are talking about, he's saying, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. He's speaking to the church, right? He's telling these people to gather together, to sing songs and hymns and remind one another of why they're fighting for what they're doing. Paul finishes here by saying, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Here's the reality. Those who are raised with Christ will walk in newness of life, Okay, If you're in Christ, live like it. And you know, we have fun with Jersey night here. But the reality is that there's two teams that you can play for, Okay, This is kind of where our fun kind of applies here. There's two teams that you can play for. You could play on the team of death, and sin, and shame, and destruction, and that ultimately, guys, one day was going to be defeated when Christ returns. Or you could play on the team, this is not my team, this is Jesus' team, but it's the team I play for, of, of God, of Jesus, OK? You can't, be, you can't be foot dipped in the water here, right? You can't be kind of on one team, kind of on another team. No, there's two teams that you can play for. Okay, so if you're in Christ, live like it. I'm going to invite the band up as I pray here. And we're going to go into a time of response with singing another song of worship. So would you bow your heads and pray with me? God, we're so thankful um, to get to come together and to hear your word. Lord, I, I pray for this youth in front of me. Jesus, hold them close. Remind them that if they're in Christ, regardless of the, what the world says, regardless of what the pressures are with your friends or how to act, if we're in Christ, we must live like it. I pray that... Um, there would be a a fire in their hearts for the word of God, um, that they would be encouraged in community by one another, um, that you would uh, provide them mentors, provide them people, uh, provide them parents, God, um, that would love and cherish them and nourish them well, God. Lord, hold these kids in front of me. Save these kids, Lord. God, we're thankful, and um, we pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.